Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests. We would love to hear from you and hopefully answer some of those questions you have, maybe something out there that you've been wondering about for years and just kind of wondering, how do I make sense of this? Or how does this Bible verse fit with another thing that the Bible says? Or how does this situation I'm going through in my life, what does the Bible say about that situation? Those are kind of questions we'd love to uh, have you call in with and talk to us about. The number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. That's 720 336 Welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome to the program. Today is May 27th. It's a Thursday. And for those of you hearing the show here in Colorado and in Southern Wyoming, you're hearing the show live today. And uh, we want to welcome you. We also want to remind you that those of you who listen on Hope FM and Truth FM, you are hearing the show on a one-week delay. So you're not hearing it live on the East Coast and in Tennessee, but you are in Colorado and Wyoming as well as online. And uh, we just want you to be aware of that for those of you who are out on the East Coast and in Appalachia. And we, we want you to still be part of our show, absolutely. Like we, we want you to call in. We want to answer your Bible questions. We want to pray for you. And we want you to consider the fact that you hear it on a delay to not be a negative, but maybe even be a positive, because it gives you the opportunity that, let's say, uh, you can tell somebody over the course of this next week, hey, I, I called into this show, and it's going to air at this time, so you should tune in and listen. And maybe that'll be a way that introduces that friend or family member to the Christian radio station in your local area, which gets them listening to it. Maybe it becomes a preset in their car. Maybe it becomes something that they listen to. Um, and God begins to change their life as they hear his living word uh, being spoken into their ears and affecting their hearts. It could be a good and glorious thing. You know, just yesterday, I saw some friends from Howell, New Jersey. And Howell's a little bit outside of the uh, broadcast range of of um, Hope FM there on the East Coast in New Jersey. They're more in like Southern Jersey. But uh, when I was out in Howell, I had, I had gone to do an event at their church. And I had, um, I had mentioned, I think on this show, that I was going to be out in Howell. And I had people actually come up to the church and say, hey, we listened to you 
on the radio. And that was just wild, like to, to fly across the country for me and to meet the people who are listening to this show on Hope FM in New Jersey and, and some of them in Pennsylvania and the area around Philadelphia. So I just want to shout out to those of you listening on Hope FM. Much love to you. And give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, it was cool to see some of that. But I also uh, just got a screenshot of where our listeners are listening in online right now. And that is, uh, looks like we've got listeners up and down <clears throat> the West Coast of California. Looks like we've got San Francisco Bay Area and a little bit north. We've got the Southern California area representing. Looks like we've got some listeners up in northern Wyoming today joining us online, as well as Albuquerque, New Mexico, up and down the front range of Colorado, and a lot of listeners in the Midwest and looks like Dallas area as well, Austin. Uh, we're glad to have you guys tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. We've also got a lot of listeners out in Maryland. We've got some listeners in Europe. So welcome to you wherever you're tuning in from today. The number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. Hey, if you haven't yet got the Grace FM app, now is a really good time to do it. And I, I know that I say this often, but I've got a really good reason why it's more urgent than usual for you to get the Grace FM app. And the reason for that is because uh, if you haven't noticed uh, this week, and I hope you have, and I hope it hasn't messed you up, but this week um, the station was down a little bit. And the reason for that is that there's some workers working on the tower where the radio station is broadcasting here in Colorado. And um, it's actually not too far from us here in Longmont. And so they're up there working on it, and you know we don't want those guys getting fried or microwaved. They're actually working on an adjacent tower, and so just for their safety, we have shut down the over-the-air broadcasting of the station for a few hours here and there throughout this week. Um, but the thing that you should know is that on uh, Tuesday, June 1st, that's next week, Tuesday, June 1st, starting at 8 a.m. and going for about four to six hours— which means, by the way, that it won't affect this show, but it will affect all the other programs that go before that. So starting at 8 a.m., four to six hours, um, the station will be down. Hopefully it's just for that one day, but you can be praying for that. But that all the more reason for you to get the Grace FM app and to listen online at gracefm.com. So the way to get the app, the, the app and the stream, they never go down. Like Sometimes the over-the-air broadcast goes down because of it's using physical hardware. Um, but the, but the, uh, over, but the internet stream and the app don't go down. So get those just for a backup in case you turn on grace FM to listen to your favorite, uh, Bible teaching and it's just not there. What do you do? Well, you just, you just, uh, hit the app and you're all good. So the way to get that is you just go in your app store or your Google play store and you type in grace FM as one word and no spaces. And then it is, um, it is available for you there, and it's free. You put it on your phone, you put it on your tablet, and you can listen anywhere in the world, like we have here with our um, with our listeners in Europe, with our listeners all over the country. Yeah, so I just got a message that there are times when the radio station goes down. For example, um, there was a time at Easter where there were too many pancake griddles going in the studio 
that were plugged in all at once. And I guess it caused the breaker to throw and that actually took down, it looks like even the live stream. So I think we learned our lesson. We're not going to be plugging in a lot of pancake griddles on the same breaker as the radio station anymore. And uh, lesson learned there, but generally it's not going to be going down even if the over the air isn't playing. So make sure to get that app. And uh, it's also cool that you can send it to friends. Maybe you're like, hey, I listen to this Christian radio station. You should listen to it too, but you live outside of our broadcast range. Use this app and you can listen. You can tune in to this show and to other shows. It's cool the, the ways that we can use technology now. And especially if we use technology, man, for getting the Bible teaching out there to more and more people, getting it in our ears so that it can affect our hearts and change our lives is a huge thing. And so glad to be part of that. Hey, we do encourage you be praying for, and also maybe consider supporting your local station, whether it's Grace FM, whether it's Truth FM, whether it's Hope FM, wherever you listen to this show. You know, this is a listener-supported uh, program, and um, that would just be a great way for you to help further the mission. But hey, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host on Calvary Live every Friday. Now, today's not Friday. Today's Thursday. Usually, Pastor Ed is on on Thursdays, and he's getting some much-needed, uh, much-deserved time away with his family. And so we've been, uh, fill, I've been filling in for him a little bit. I believe that he's back next week. But um, I'll be with you again tomorrow as well, and I'm with you today. I'm glad to do it. I love uh, talking with you. It's a privilege to get to pray for your prayer requests and answer your questions. So I'd love to hear from you, your questions about the Bible, questions about theology, questions about how— uh, the Bible speaks to things that you're going through in your life currently. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Um, and we'd love to answer those prayer requests. So looks like we have gotten some... Um, some text messages already. One person texts in and says, I recently lost my husband and I would like prayer. And this is for someone named Zena. Okay, let's pray for you, Zena. Heavenly Father, we lift up Zena to you and we ask, Lord, that you would be with her. We pray that you would bless her. We pray you'd strengthen her. Lord, we pray that you would comfort her. Um, Lord, we pray that you would be to her um, what she needs during this time of having lost her husband, that you would be the one who brings her comfort, companionship, Lord, the one who cares for her heart, who listens to her. Lord, thank you that we know that uh, though anyone else would fail us or leave us, Lord, you never will. We can always count on you. And I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, whom you call the comforter, you would bring comfort to Zena today. Lord, I pray that you'd also draw around her other believing people, Christians, and Lord, we pray that you would be with, with her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Zena, we're praying for you. Very sorry for the loss of your husband. Thank you for writing in and letting us know how to pray for you. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Again, the text number seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven, or 
Call us. We'll get you right on the air. We've got all open lines right now. The number to call again, 303-690-3000. Another texter says, this is Nicole. During my divorce, a lot of lies were told to me. God has been telling me it is time for the truth to come out. Would you pray for the court to have the ears to hear me and pray my daughter and my fiance will be allowed to be a family? Okay, we'll pray for justice to be done. Lord, we do ask for Nicole in this situation with the divorce. It sounds very difficult. sounds like there's a lot of uh, trauma and, and drama involved. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, let justice be done. Lord, we know that you are a God who delights in balanced scales and truth coming out. And so, Lord, we pray that there would be justice in this situation and that the exact right thing would take place that needs to take place. Lord, we pray that it would be the best for Nicole. We pray it would be the best for her daughter. And we pray it would be the best for her fiancé. Lord, help us that we would be people who don't just look to you as the God who can help us accomplish our agenda, but help us to be those who look to you with open hands and say that you are the God who can set our agenda. And so I, I pray, Lord, that you would um, let truth and justice uh, reign in this situation. But Lord, would you also fill Nicole and her family with hearts of compassion and hearts of mercy, uh, even towards those who have hurt them in various ways in the past. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Nicole. We're praying for the right outcome. You know, one of the things that I've been teaching on lately, uh, we just started a series last week at my church here in Longmont, and we are doing a series on the Holy Spirit. It's called The Spirit-Filled Life. And we did our kind of an intro, and an intro isn't really a fair term to use because it's really a foundation that we gave for the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our study last week. And so we, we called it the promised helper. And we did that for Pentecost. You know, last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. And so we're doing this for five weeks, starting on Pentecost, looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. This week, in part two of this series, we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And man, there's so much in there, and it is so incredibly rich and good. One of the things we see is that the Spirit is the Spirit of adoption. That's how we're going to start, by talking about that we haven't received the Spirit of fear and slavery, but we have received the Spirit of adoption, by which we, we know that God is our Father because the Spirit testifies with us that we are children of God. But you know what else it says there in Romans chapter 8 about the Holy Spirit? It says that He is the Spirit helps us in our weakness so that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings, which are groanings that we don't necessarily understand, but God knows exactly what they are, what, what needs to be done, and He is able to accomplish it because the Spirit knows the mind of Christ. Sometimes we don't know what God's will is in a particular situation, but this is the, what I, brings me so much comfort is that we can pray and we can say amen, not knowing, you know. I just think about situations where, where it's like, wow, somebody's going through something and you can pray, God, take them out of this situation. But then you wonder, is that God's will to take them out of that situation? Maybe it's God's will to do something through that situation. And I'm like, well, then I don't know how to pray. Well, here's, here's what that verse tells us precisely, is that we can pray knowing that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and that, the, that God knows exactly what needs to happen, and we can pray um, and just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to interpret that, and the Lord understands exactly what we need even before we ask. That brings me a lot of comfort, because I think that uh, it tells us that 
it's not all just up to us, that there's a God out there who knows exactly what we need, and he is absolutely dedicated to us. And I heard somebody say this recently, and it was coming to my mind as I was praying for Nicole there, and I just want to share it with all of you, is that a lot of people sometimes say this thing where they'll say, God let me down. I prayed for something, and it didn't happen. Or, you know, I, I expected that God was going to do this thing, and it didn't happen, and God let me down. Well, you know what? If, you, if we ever say that God lets us down, you know what that tells us? It tells us that God didn't do what we thought he would do. But don't we want to be those who instead have the attitude of God where he doesn't exist only to meet our agenda, but he is a God who sets our agenda. That's what it means for Jesus to be your Lord. It means that he's the one who gets to set the agenda. And that means that the essence of worship, I always tell our church, the essence of worship is surrender. Surrendering our hearts, surrendering our lives to the Lord. Okay, let's go to our next caller. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you the numbers to call in. We've got two open lines, and of course, you can always text us. 303-690-3000. That's the call-in line. 303-690-3000. Call us with your Bible questions or your prayer requests. And text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Dylan in High Spire, Pennsylvania. Hi, Dylan. Welcome to the program. Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing great. Okay, so uh, where do we go from here? You tell me your question. What's up? Well, my question is, I just, I just finished the book of Leviticus, and I'm reading all the, all the specifications for what the Jews were expected to do as, as, as far as, like, sacrifices, the exact measurements of the altars and all of that, and the, the removing of the entrails from the animals that were, had to be perfect with no blemish, the removing of the fat from around the liver, and the removing of the kidneys, and the dipping of the fingers into blood and flicking the blood seven times onto the front of the altar, all of these different specifications. And I, I'm trying to wrap my head around why God would want these things, because God, you know, he created everything, galaxies, everything, um, down to the finest atom. Why does he need these things? Yeah, good question. I'll tell you a few things with um, Leviticus that's so important. Let's just start with the big let's start with the big picture. Why does God give so many specifications about how he is to be worshiped down to the smallest details? And I think that that is an important point because it simply means this. God cares a lot about how he's worshiped. It matters to him. The details of how we do things matter. And it matters to him how we worship. We're to worship with reverence and we're to worship in obedience, right? So obedience matters. Jesus said, if you love me, do this, keep my commandments, right? And we often say, uh, you know, I think there's something about our culture, and I don't think it's unique to us because we're human beings. It's not like human beings have radically changed, you know, in our character and our essence uh, over time. What it is as human beings, we don't like to be told. I just mentioned uh, to a previous caller or texter, actually, that the essence of worship is surrender. And so surrender means, okay, I'm going to follow these instructions. Even if I don't understand why you want me to do them, I'm going to submit to you because of who you are, and I'm going to trust and do these things in faith, right? That's the essence of faith. One person put it this way, and I think it's a brilliant way to put it, is that faith is trusting God enough to do what he says. Trusting God enough to do what he says. Now, when that comes to worship, like with Leviticus, you know, a lot of these things weren't explained to them. They were told what to do, 
they weren't always told why to do them. And what's so interesting is that in some cases, like with Leviticus, right, it gives dietary laws. We call them the kosher diet laws. And with those kosher diet laws, you know, it was just like, hey, don't eat these birds, don't eat pigs, don't eat these animals, uh, don't eat shellfish. And there's not a lot of explanation given, but here's what's so interesting. It, also, let me just add one more to that. There will be these rituals for how they wash their hands, right? So what's so interesting is that as we go throughout history, we see that there were plagues that came upon pagan people. And a lot of times the Jews were exempt from them. Even through the Middle Ages, the Jews didn't get hit by the Black Plague in the same way that the other people did in Europe. And the reason was because the Jews had these, these laws that they followed that encompassed everything from how they were to wash their hands to which animals they were to eat and how they were to cut up the animals and drain the blood, etc. What we've learned as we've learned more things from science is that actually it's really unhealthy to eat certain animals, which were forbidden for the Jews to eat. And especially if you undercook things like pork or shellfish, you can get really, really sick and die. And so it was essentially God is protecting these people through some of those things, but he didn't tell them that from the outset. He didn't say, I want you to do this because it's going to protect you from future plagues. He always just told them what to do and left it up to a matter of trusting him. Do you trust me that what I'm telling you is actually good, even if you don't understand exactly why? Like we've all done that with our kids, right? Where we'll say, hey, I, want, I don't want you to do this and say, why, 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 why? And sometimes we can answer them, but sometimes we're like, hey, I just want you to take my word for it on this one. I've been around a little bit and I, I, I have your best interest in mind. Okay, so I think those two things. Again, the first one there, I think that speaks so much to our current age where we're like, hey, I, I'm religious, or, or sorry, I, I like Jesus, but I'm not into religion. Or like, I like Jesus, but I'm going to do it on my terms. And if you look at the Old Testament, you look at the book of Leviticus and the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we see that actually God cares a lot about how we worship. And when he prescribes something, he actually says, if you love him and if you have faith in him, what does that look like in, in practicality? What it looks like is obeying the laws, even if you, even if they seem unnecessary to you, even if they seem too detailed, even if they seem to you like you think, oh, this is dumb. I don't need to do this. No, he says, no, no, no. This is how you surrender to me, which is the essence of worship. Okay. That's the way it makes sense. Cool. Hey, but I'll tell you what, Dylan, I'm so glad to hear that you're reading the Bible, even Leviticus and Leviticus points so much to Jesus. Those first seven chapters, I want you to go back and read those and think about how each of those sacrifices points to Jesus and what he does. Okay, well, thank you so very much. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in. All right, God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. That was a great question from uh, Dylan in Pennsylvania, and I'm sure there's some of you out there who have questions. Uh, I just want to tell you, call in with them because you know what? There's probably somebody else who will benefit from hearing the answer to that question. Maybe they've been wondering the same thing themselves. They've always been confused about it. So this is an opportunity not only to get your question answered, but maybe to serve somebody else by 
being the one who has the courage to call in and ask the question on the air. And we would love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Okay, looks like we've got another text message I've got here for you. This person says, Hi, Pastor. My name is Victoria. My husband, Drew, and I would like to ask for prayer over his job and upcoming promotion. His promotion would would require us to move to a different state. We are excited and ready, but we ask for prayer and patience that God would bless this promotion and this move and that he would take us to a place where we can flourish in him and his plans. Okay. Hey, you know what? I'll tell you, Victoria, before I pray, is that I love the fact that when you're thinking about taking a job, you're thinking about moving, that you mention in that that you want not only God to show you, okay, should I take this job or whatever, but you want to go to a place where you can serve. I think that's something that I always want to tell people when they're praying about moving. It's like, okay, don't just think about money, um, job opportunities, career. Also think about where is going to be the best place for our family is there, is there going to be an opportunity there for us to get plugged in and serve the Lord in that place and, um, and further the Lord's kingdom? I think those are the right questions to be asking when it comes to big life decisions like moving. And I'm glad to hear you doing that. And I would encourage any of our other callers to do the same. So let me pray for you. Lord, we lift up Victoria and Drew to you. We pray for their upcoming job and it looks like promotion that's coming through. Lord, we pray that you would prepare them for moving. Lord, we pray that you'd prepare them and direct them to the exact right neighborhood, the right street to live on with the neighbors, Lord, who you want to, them to minister to. Lord, we pray that you would direct them to the neighborhood that's got the, the church that you want them to be a part of. And Lord, we pray that you would show them what is their role in your mission in that place. And Lord, we pray that you would help them and prepare Lord, all the things that right now it sounds probably exciting to move, but I pray that, Lord, you'd also be preparing their hearts for the difficult things, the saying goodbye, et cetera, that they're going to have to do if they move. And so, Lord, we pray blessing upon them, pray that you'd be with them and guide and lead them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We are praying for your prayer requests. We are answering your Bible questions. We have all open lines right now, so it's a great time to call in. We'll get you on the air very quickly. And we've also got your text messages up, and we're taking those as you write in. So go ahead and text us, and go ahead and give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Well, Go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you on right after the break. In about one minute time or maybe even less, we're going to our mid-show break. And before we get there, let me just tell you about something that was inspired by this show that I just put up today. And that is that a few weeks ago, well, I guess a few months ago now, I started a podcast. Now, that was at the encouragement of Calvary Chapel. They have a podcast network with Calvary Chapel that I really encourage you guys to check out if you like podcasts. Um, The podcast network is called Good Lion. So just type in goodlion.io and you'll be able to find uh, some good podcasts on there. 
um, and including mine. So my, my podcast is called Theology for the People. And a lot of the stuff I cover on Theology for the People is stuff that's inspired by this show. So a few weeks ago, I had somebody calling in asking questions about the formation of the New Testament canon. Basically, how do we get the New Testament in the form we have now? Was Constantine involved? What happened at the Council of Nicaea? Like, who is King James? And I was answering these questions. I thought, man, I bet there's a lot of other people out there who would benefit from this information. So I put it in a podcast form, and that came out today. So in your podcast app or just in Google, type in Theology for the People podcast or just Theology for the People, and it'll come up. And you'll be able to listen to that episode that just came out today about where did we get the books of the New Testament? How, how was our New Testament formed? What about books that were disputed? How were those decisions made? And hopefully that will bless you. Hey, we're going to our break. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll get you on right after the break, and we'll be back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. You're hearing the show live today. Uh, today is May 27th. It is a Thursday, beautiful day here in Colorado and we also want to greet all of our listeners out on the East Coast, our listeners in Appalachia, as well as our listeners up into Southern Wyoming. So glad that you are listening with us today. This is the show where you can call in. We give you an opportunity every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. to have kind of a direct line to, to pastors who are here to answer your questions about the Bible and to answer your questions about life. So give us a call. The number is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand with your Bible questions, with your prayer requests, we're here to respond to those. So three zero three six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Teresa in Windsor, Colorado. Hi, Teresa. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. I was having a conversation with a gentleman um, about a week ago who was trying to convince me that baptism was necessary for salvation and cited a couple of things, but his um, primary focus was that because faith and believing is also a work, which he cited John 629, I believe, um, then it was okay that baptism was also a work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that before. There's other verses that you could you could um, get into this argument about. But here's what I would say. Here, Let me just read to you John 6, 29. It says, Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now, the question is, does belief constitute a work? Um, you know, people have gone back and forth about this for a really long time. And I would say no, because here's what belief is. Belief is simply trusting right? is trusting, relying on. And here's the other piece of this puzzle that I would give you, is that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, let me just read you. I'll start in verse 8, but check this out. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, here's the big question. 
By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Wait, wait a second. Which is the this that is not our own doing? What is the thing which is the gift of God? Is it the grace that is the gift of God, the grace by which we are saved? Is it the salvation that is the gift of God that's not by our own doing? Well, certainly. But is the text actually saying that the faith to believe is also a gift of God? And I think you could make a biblical argument that that is actually the case, that you cannot believe unless the Father draws you, right? You cannot believe unless the Spirit opens your eyes and opens your heart to believe. Now, some people get tripped up on this, right? Because they'll say, therefore, not everybody, you know, it, it's not really like anybody can just believe in Jesus and get saved. It, it's only those whom God has chosen, right? It becomes a chicken and an egg argument. Like, did I only believe because I was chosen or was I chosen because I believed? And the Bible doesn't get into the weeds of answering that because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Here's what matters for you and me. If you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. So do you believe is the question that everybody needs to answer. And as far as the details of how that happens in God's timing and God's power, um, that is really up. That's really God's prerogative, not ours. Our prerogative is, prerogative is what we are going to do with Jesus. Now, to say that believing is a work is really going against the grain of everything that the New Testament says when it talks about being saved by works. When it talks about being saved by works, it's talked about being saved by performance and outward things that we do right? So a uh, lack of sinning, right? Would be in a performance. Basically the idea of being saved by works is being saved by my record, right? Like, like my scorecard in life. So believing is, is not part of that in my estimation, but let's say your friend really wants to argue that it is, I would take him over to Ephesians chapter two and say, Hey, you know what? This seems to be saying that even the faith to believe is a gift of God. It's not something that I do for myself. So there you go. It's all of God is the point. Now, getting to the whole thing about baptism, I mean, this is pretty clear in the Bible, right? That, that we're not saved by neither circumcision nor by kind of the New Testament equivalent of circumcision, which is baptism. And so, you know, there are other verses that are used in this sense, like in Mark uh, 16, where it says, Everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But then it says, and those who do not believe will not be saved. So it's really interesting, right? It's interesting that phrasing. Some people like to latch onto the first half of that verse and say, those who believe and are baptized will be saved. As if the baptizing there is a, is a requirement that you must do. And, uh, and then, of course, the people on the other side of that, they jump in on the other end and say, oh, well, um, it's not those who aren't baptized who won't be saved, but it's rather those who don't believe who won't be saved. So all that to say, um, I, I don't think your friend has a good argument. You know, there's a few denominations out there, like the Church of Christ is a good, very good example. And uh, the Church of Christ is, is a denomination that historically has said that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. 
here, here's where I would say one last thought, and then I'll kick it back to you. And that is that, listen, if, if Jesus is your Lord, and we talked about how that would be a, um, that the essence of surrender, or sorry, the essence of worship is surrender. But um, then, then we would say, if Jesus is your Lord, then he says to be baptized, then you should be baptized. I absolutely agree with that. But I don't think that it counts towards you being saved. So go ahead. No, that's awesome. Um, I completely agree that it, you know, it wasn't a work, but I couldn't refute it. So I appreciated the, the Ephesians 2 verse. I think that's very helpful. And cool. yeah, it, 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 you believe it or you don't. And um, truly believe that um, all of the work was done by Jesus. And if we add anything to it, I do believe that it... Um, weakens what Jesus did on the cross. So, Yeah, one key verse for this is found in Galatians chapter 2. Um, I used to serve with a guy who would talk about this verse a lot, and I always just thought about the way he said it. He always emphasized it a lot. So in Ephesians 2, verse 20, no, sorry, verse 19. Oh, where is it? Hmm. Oh, sorry, it's the very last verse. Yeah, verse 21, 221, Galatians 2, 21. It says this, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died in vain. And he essentially would say this, you know, anytime you're trying to add your works to the finished work of of Jesus on the cross, it's essentially as if Jesus is hanging there on the cross and says, it is finished. And you essentially say, no, it's not. I still need to do my part. Right. And so I think that that's a great point. It's, It's almost an insult to Jesus to insist that, no, 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 Jesus, what you did was a nice start, but now I need to get on board and do my, my thing. Uh, amen. All right. Well, I appreciate your time and um, thank you for leading me there. That's great. Cool. Hey, thanks, Teresa, for calling in. God bless you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. The number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Justin in Longmont, Colorado. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. Uh, so a couple questions, uh, if you have time for them. Uh, so the first one, kind of a two-part one. Um, do animals go to heaven and... Also, do you think Leviathan exists on the earth today? Mm, yeah, good questions. And um, I'll go quickly. Do animals, do I think there are animals in heaven? I didn't used to, but now I do. Uh, I heard one guy put it this way. This is kind of a joke, so I hope I'm not offending any cat lovers, but I'll put it this way. Uh, one person used to say, there are definitely two animals in heaven. There's a horse that Jesus rides on, and there are harps because, well, there are cats. Or there must be cats because there are harps. So I kind of kind of ruined the the joke there, but yeah. But, but but I'll tell you why I think that there are. It's because I read a great book by uh, Randy Alcorn called Heaven, and in it he talks about this. He makes this argument for why he thinks there are animals in heaven, and it has to do with the fact that heaven is not an ethereal place where we like float around on clouds as like wispy, you know, see through things. But it's a uh, it's it's the renewed and restored and redeemed creation. 
and that it will be much more tangible. And that if it is the restored and renewed creation, if, if the picture we get in Revelation is the Garden of Eden restored, redeemed, and fulfilled, then in the Garden of Eden, originally, there were animals. And so therefore, there will be again. And, mm -hmm. and furthermore, there, there's a few verses that it's sometimes hard to tell if these verses refer to what's called the thousand-year kingdom of Christ on earth or if they refer to heaven. But some of those passages from Isaiah, some people interpret them. You know, it says that the child will play at the den of the adder and that the lion will lay down, not with the lamb. What does it say? It actually doesn't say the lion will lay down with the lamb. It says that the wolf will lay down with the lamb. People always misquote it. But um, yeah, it says the wolf will lay down with the lamb and the child will play at the den of the adder. Is that referring actually to heaven? And many Christians throughout history have said that it does. Uh, refer to heaven, not necessarily to the thousand-year kingdom. So I, there's some debate over that. I don't know if we can be 100% sure, but if it is referring to heaven, then that tells us that, yes, there will be animals in heaven and that it will be a restoration of Eden. And that means that creation will be redeemed. And the fact that creation is sometimes very violent and dangerous, it means it will once again be in harmony and all of the animals will be in harmony as well. Wow, cool. Yeah, and so your second question, is there a Leviathan on Earth now? Um, my wife thinks there is. I'm not sure if I'm convinced, yeah. but I know that we don't know what all exists in the Amazon or in the Congo uh, deltas and things like that. And so there is a interesting thing that in the Congolese languages, meaning like the native languages, they talk about a giant creature that lives out in the, in the jungles of Congo. And so they, they certainly think that there is some kind of creature that, you know, hasn't been recorded by zoologists that is some like giant creature that lives out there. So a lot of people who believe that that's true and, um, we, we don't have any empirical proof of it. Um, so do I think it's out there? I think it's possible. Wow, that's crazy. That's really cool. Um, and then just really quick, if I could say this uh, too, uh, why do you think uh, God talks about prophecy so much in the Bible? Mm. Yeah, I think the reason is actually given to us in Isaiah, and there's a few passages. I'm trying to remember exactly where they are. I know starting, I think it's chapter 46, and a couple. There's like a couple passages starting in around Isaiah 40-something and getting into the early 50s in Isaiah, where God says over and over, he says, this is how you will know that I am the true God and not like the idols, you know, the idols that are made of wood and stone that people carve with their own hands and then worship. Here's the proof that will show you that I'm different. And, um, and what will show you that I'm different is the fact that I will predict the future and then it will come to pass just as I said it would. So in a way, you know, that's God's kind of calling card. It's his proof that he is the true God, and that matters a lot. So uh, I think the other part is that God, when he gives us prophetic words in the New Testament, he says, comfort each other with these words, you know, about what is to come. And I think that that's really important, that we remember that the book of Revelation isn't a book about scary stuff that's going to happen in the future. The book of Revelation is a book of joy and hope for believers that no matter what empires come, no matter what evil things people do, 
in the end, God is going to take care of his people and he's going to see us through and he will have the victory. And therefore we should take comfort and have hope. Right on. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Nick. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for your great questions. God bless you, Justin. All right. God bless. All right, Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Looks like we had a caller who asked not to be on the air, but they just wanted to speak into something I said a few minutes ago about the Church of Christ. And what they said is that they they just wanted to clarify something, that the Church of Christ is not a denomination, nor a monolith, and that not all of them are as strong about believing in baptism as necessary for salvation. Yeah, I'm aware of that, and I I get how that works. That's actually why I said that historically the Church of Christ um, has held to this teaching, that um, baptism is necessary for salvation. So... Yeah, thank you for that um, counterpoint and that clarification. And I'm glad that you're tuning in and listening. And uh, and again, like I, I think that our goal should be to obey the Lord in all things. And that includes baptism. But we also don't want to think that our salvation is a result of anything that we do. It's a result of what Jesus accomplished for us. And we simply trust in it and receive it. So you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got 13 minutes left in the show. We've got two open lines, and we'd love to hear from you. We've also got our text line that's kind of getting a lot of text messages in today. Um, I'll be with you again tomorrow, so if I don't get to your message today, I'll try and hit it tomorrow. But let's see if we can fill this rest of the time that we have today in the show with some really good, some really good content. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. 690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We're going to go over to our text line because there's somebody who texted this question several times and was really wanting an answer, and I told him that we're going to get to his question next, so I want to honor that. So this person said, um, 666, they have a question. What is 666? He says, it's the number of man written in the book of Revelation. It says that the man who has wisdom about the number of man is 600. Uh, three score and six or 666, 666. And this person points out, you know, there's six days of creation. The seventh day, God rested from his work. The six years of cultivation of the land, seventh year, the land was to rest. There are six years of tribulation. And in the seventh year, God will return. And he's thinking, he says, I think about the number 666. And I came up with the issue of rest or salvation or no rest versus salvation to reach the seventh day or year. And so he says, but God's Holy Spirit can rest, reach rest and salvation when it works all things for good inside you, but the Holy Spirit can't enter you without first removing your flesh-like heart or flesh-like heart in an act of circumcision to God. Can you advise my thinking here? Okay, so basically, it sounds like this person is trying to work out some, some questions. Now, first of all, I'll tell you very quickly, I, I generally agree with much of what you said, that this, the thing about the sixes and the seventh, right, the seventh being the day of rest, I think you could add in there, by the way, and Christians have done this historically, that the number eight would be the number of new creation, 
which is why Christians actually worship on Sundays. It's not just because Jesus was resurrected on that day, but it's a declaration of faith. It's a testimony that we believe in the new creation. All right, so we work six days. On the seventh day is the day of rest, but on the eighth day is the day of new creation, and that is the day when we celebrate as Christians the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, seven, the, the Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. It's not the new Sabbath. Rather, it is something wholly different. It's a celebration of the new life that we have in Jesus because of the resurrection, which I think is really cool. But to answer your question, I'm just going to grab one last statement you made there. The Holy Spirit can't enter you without first removing your flesh-like heart Hmm. in an act of circumcision. I don't know. I'll tell you this, that the circumcision of the heart is something that the Holy Spirit does, which is the cutting away of the flesh, right? It's that act of sanctification, which means making us more like Jesus. And we're told in First and Second Peter that this is the primary work of the Holy Spirit as he indwells us, is that he does this work of sanctification, cutting away the flesh. And I wouldn't say that God can't enter us without first doing that. I say that God enters us when we believe, Paul says in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, that when we believe, God, God puts his Spirit in us as a seal and then from within us, he begins cutting away that flesh. And that's really good news because it means that there's nothing prohibiting you from being saved and having the Holy Spirit come into your life right now. Okay, so final thoughts on the number of the beast. It's really interesting. People for a really long time have been trying to figure out what the number of the beast is, and everybody seems to be um, coming up with stuff all the time, right? So here's here's some interesting ones that I, I realized in my research that in the 1980s, there was this big rumor going around that the that Ronald Reagan was the beast and that the mark of the beast was his name because Ronald Wilson Reagan, each of those of his three names have six letters. And they said, there it is, six, six, six. Um, Ronald Reagan is the beast. Well, it turned out that that wasn't the case. Um, and it would also be weird that Apostle John, who wrote in Greek, would give us a code which could only be deciphered in the English language, which didn't even exist yet. So that that really doesn't make any sense at all. Um, you know, and a, a lot of people also thought, oh, you know, the mark of the beast, it's going to be like, uh, it's going to be barcodes. Christians were freaked out about barcodes. They're also freaked out about um, about credit cards. I was just reading a book last week that came out in the 80s, and it was talking about how man, these credit cards, we got to watch out for these things because this is the mark of the beast. And so, um, you know, everybody's been trying to do this, but, you know, most Bible scholars throughout history, they associate the number 666 with Caesar Nero. And there's actually some good evidence for doing this. Uh, we know uh, that many people at the time from a book called Seotonius or something like that. Anyway, this is a, a Roman, uh, this is a Roman, what do you call it? A Roman historian who wrote, and he said that at the time, a lot of Christians were, were toying with the numerical values of, of Nero's name. And this practice is actually has a name. It's called gematria, gematria. So G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A. And what it does, it takes a letter of the alphabet and assigns an equivalent number. So for example, in the case of Greek, the letter alpha would be the number one. Second letter beta would be two, and so on. So when you take Nero's name in Greek, which is Neron Kaisar, and translate, transliterate it into Hebrew, again, still a lot of jumps going on here, 
Um, but the number, the resulting number is 666. Now, here's what I would tell you. That doesn't necessarily mean that the second beast there in Revelation 13 was Nero. What it could mean is that it will be someone similar to or comparable to Nero who will come later. That's actually what I believe it will be. It will be something similar to or comparable to Nero, and that's what that number 666 is referring to. So um, the other thing, and I'll, I'll very quickly summarize because we've got three callers on the line. Some of you guys are going to have to call back in tomorrow when I host again, but that's okay. Um, the, that would tell you, a, a lot of people forget this. They get so hung up on the mark of the beast that they forget that the mark of the beast is the opposite side of the coin from the mark of the lamb. Everybody's talking about the mark of the beast. Nobody talks about the mark of the lamb. Hey guys, let's be people who take the mark of the lamb and let's not be so panicky about the mark of the beast, okay? Let's be people who say, my goal in life is to take the mark of the lamb and be counted with the lamb of God, with Jesus, to cast my lot in with him and make him my savior and get on board with him. And if, I'll tell you this, if you take the mark of the lamb, you don't need to worry about the mark of the beast, okay? Let's go to our next caller. Let's go to Mark in Denver, Pennsylvania. Mark in Denver, Pennsylvania. Cool. Hey, Mark, what's up? Hi, how you doing? I know it's getting to the end of the show. I just want to make it quick. You know, I often hear people talk about, you know, Cain's wife, and this is a big topic of conversation for among atheists. Atheists, you know, where Cain's wife come from? And it's the same question you could pose to evolutionists: where the other genetically, mod, you know, mutated person come from? But here's the thing: it's like, so when Cain, uh, you know, slew Abel. Um, and, and he gets banished, and, you know, he says, you know, this is too hard for me to bear. You know, other people in the world are going to kill me right away. God says, well, I'm going to mark you so other people don't kill you. So there's other people floating around there. And then, you know, he leaves, and, and he takes a wife. And uh, at the end of Genesis 4, Eve says, you know, God has given me another son, Seth, to replace my slain son, you know, Abel. Uh, and so maybe she had other kids in between that time, but it, it, it seems kind of odd to me because then in chapter five, it says when Seth was born, Adam was 130 years old. So it doesn't seem to me like 130 years was a whole lot of time to like populate, you know, a big population that there'd be people out to kill Cain and that he'd be able to take a wife. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, well, if God can raise sons of Abraham from stones, isn't it possible that rather than, you know, because I hear this from like Ken Ham and many other people that, you know, well, they, you know, Adam and Eve lived to be 800 years old. They populated the earth. I mean, isn't it possible that God just created other humans after the fact and uh, that, you know, that, that that's where those humans came from? Or is there something biblically that says, no, everybody was absolutely positively a, a descendant of, of Abraham, of, uh, of Adam's bloodline? Yeah. So that's kind of my so, yeah, no, interesting, interesting question, interesting concept. Uh, I will tell you, there is a theological reason why it's important that we came from Adam. And that has everything to do with Romans chapter 5, right? It has everything to do with the whole idea of um, the fallen nature. You know, one man fell and all have fallen. In the same way, Jesus, the new Adam, has redeemed us, and in him all can be redeemed. And so that's very important. I mean, the whole idea of, of sin being, being um, handed down, a sinful nature being handed down through Adam is super important. 
Now, here's the thing, like, like you mentioned earlier, you know, um, person who rejects the biblical story has to come up with another origin story of human beings and the origin that they've come up with origin stories they've come up with all unanimously say that we come from two people we come from two from common ancestors that means whether you believe in the um you know purely evolutionary biological descent of man you're still believing that at some point some guy had to marry his sister right so it, it it comes from this, that we all descend from one couple. Actually, in my opinion, it's easier to believe what the Bible says, which says that there are two people, and they were given a mandate from God to be plentiful and fill the earth. So that means this is like their full-time job, right? In addition to like building yeah. society, is to have as many kids as possible, and then their kids are going to have as many kids as possible. And that's, that's what they did. And you can do the math. I mean, there was definitely enough um, for enough people around for there to be, you know, people going after, uh, Cain. And uh, of course, why, of course they would be, why would they be angry that he killed somebody? Well, because it was their relative. It was their brother, right? If it was just, Hey, some guy out in, um, New Jersey killed somebody. I'm not going to feel personal about that. Right. I might feel that it's wrong, but I'm not going to be like, I need to go and, um, just go after that guy. Why would they do that? Well, because it was personal. This is their relative. This is their brother. You know, if you look at even how it worked in the ancient world, I mean, a lot of it wasn't, you didn't just go and get revenge against just anybody. You went and got revenge against the person who killed your family members. So that brings us up to the end of our show. Um, I, I, again, I don't think that we can just say that God created more people because we need that theological, well, we have that theological uh, imperative that everyone has descended from Adam and therefore all have sinned. Thanks for your question. Got to let you go. Hey, everybody, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. If you didn't get on today, I'll be with you again tomorrow, 4 to 5 p.m. for Calvary Live. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.